up on the WAC Podcast. Happy October. Where has the fall gone? We're going to talk a little bit of hoops. we got some nationally ranked teams in cross country and men's soccer. Jess Radford's going to sit in for Kendra Sheehan, who's on assignment this week. And we're going to have the one and only Chris Sissel, women's soccer coach at Grand Canyon University in our last segment. And no, don't forget, Tony Jones comes in and talks some men's soccer. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Jessica Radford, also known as Jess. Yeah. On the show today as uh, Kendra is out. First week of October. Yes. Oh I my mean, gosh. Time is flying. It's, it's There's no joking around anymore. It's just, okay, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're in conference play in our fall sports. We got basketball right around the corner. And I put on my little sheet here. It says 35 days until basketball. 35 days. November 6th. I, I, I did not do the math, but then I look at GCU's Twitter and it, or X, I guess, as they say. And it Countdown says, is happening. It says uh, 30. 30? Under a month. Oh, my gosh. Which uh, I don't know if they're counting down to like uh exhibition game, maybe. Oh, maybe. Maybe. That's actually... Yeah, because it seems like November 6th. That's yeah. not 30 days away, right? No, it's only October 3rd. Did it, yeah. did it have an early game? They may. Probably they expedition. Might. They might. They probably do. I mean, there's probably a way to check that out. <laughs> if we go going. To, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's coming up on us very quickly. Less than two weeks away from the WAC basketball preview days, which will be live on ESPN+. Plus. We're very lucky to have. We're going to have Mike O'Donnell. As our men's analyst, that's going to be on Tuesday of that week. Reagan Peebley will be the analyst on Monday. She's a former WAG basketball coach, now lives here in the DFW Metroplex, does the Dallas Wings games. Mike, a national analyst for both CBS and ESPN. So very uh, happy to have those folks on board with us as that is just two weeks away. Two weeks away. Some well-established guests. It's going to be an exciting time. Exciting two days. Jam-packed action, basketball. <laughs> basketball, let's go. Yeah. All right, and then right after that, we have our first championship of the year. That will be the WAC Cross Country Championships in Abilene, Texas, hosted by Abilene Christian, Friday, October 27th. And we have some teams that are ranked. If you look on the men's side, California Baptist checking in number 14 in the nation. 14. They're running real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing better than them is their women's team, ranked number 13 in the nation and Utah Valley at number 24. And I mentioned this earlier today in a meeting that when I first started here in the WAC, which was seven years ago now, Ooh, that uh, we, we did not have, we, <laughs> we did not see these kind of rankings uh, for a lot of schools. So it's, it's so awesome to be uh, in a conference that's getting nationally recognized like the WAC is now and CBU, both men and women. What's interesting there, Jess, is that uh, they do not have uh, field events mm-hmm. at uh, CBU. They just do track, mm-hmm. and they score a lot of points to even when we get to track and field. Really? That's right. Because I know the field events, they get you, you know, yeah. over the top. Yeah. They, That's how. It, it's tough to win a conference championship For without sure. field events, yeah. but uh, they, they do pretty well. And Greta Karanuskite uh, finished number two in the nation. I was there in Austin, Texas. Uh, in this the past nation. Year. Yeah. So they got some big time runners there oh, yeah. in Riverside, California, where we will be uh, in just a few weeks, as that's where the WAC Women's Soccer Tournament will be as well. Kendra, by the way, she's going to be at Utah Tech this week on our first WAC road trip, brought to you by the Provo Airport. And 
that's going to be exciting. She gets to go to the uh, football game. They're playing Stephen F. Austin in football. That was a big upset last year as Utah Tech, I believe, was picked last in the conference. Stephen F. was picked first. Oh. Utah Tech upset them in Nacogdoches Let's last year. Well, not if you're a Stephen F. Austin fan. True. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love a good underdog story. I'm not sure if that's the same this year for yeah, Utah that, Tech. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll be interesting but... since they beat them last year. Who who would be? Uh, but both teams playing really well. I know uh, Utah Tech played at Colorado State, uh, played them pretty well last week in Fort Collins. Colorado State, of course, should have beat Colorado and Deion Sanders a couple weeks ago. Yes. A uh, very late night game well, here. Not yes, but. They should have won. I mean, come on. Honest, okay. So. No, like, yeah. The second and third quarter was a little rough for Colorado. I really thought Colorado State bed, was going to win. And it was like 28-17, and there was like five minutes to go. Oh, I went to bed after it was over. Like, I was falling asleep during the game, but I was like, I'm staying up. I'm watching this game. And it was a good game. It was a good ending. In the it middle, was. I thought Colorado State was going to run with it, but Colorado came back. Women's soccer. We had our second week of conference play, and – uh Starting to shake out a, a little bit. It's so still two weeks in. Six teams will make it to the WAC tournament, which we mentioned will be in Riverside, California this year. And as far as the uh, first two weeks of play, I mean, Utah kid, Valley. Utah Valley. <laughs> I mean, they're they're rolling. I mean, I think what is it, eighteen or uh, yeah, eighteen to one in their last three games. They beat GCU. 4-0, they beat Stephen F. Austin 10-0, and then they beat UTRGV 4-1, 18-1 in their past three games. That tie against CBU, I mean, that, that's looking pretty good for the Lancers right now. Very good for them. If they keep it up, then I really think the Lancers, especially them hosting the tournament, it will be really, really good for them. So we'll see how the rest of these weeks shake out for them and them hosting it. It should be a really good advantage for them, and hopefully they use that to their advantage. You know, having a home crowd is always good. Hopefully for them. Yeah, for them. then. Not but then, for else. not for everybody else, but I mean, if you want to succeed in a tournament and you have the home field advantage, you got to yes. use it. It's and that happened field. last year in the men's tournament CBU hosted. They were the five seed. So only six teams make it. They were the five seed. They went through and won the tournament oh. as the five seed on the men's side. So oh, that's really good. It uh, it does bode well for CBU's women's team this year. And their uh, Grand Canyon also checking in at 2 1 and 1. We will have Chris Sissel on the show a little bit later, friend of the program as the uh, Lopes always seem to be in the mix in uh, women's soccer as well. Always, definitely. Wick, whack Women's Soccer Players of the Week, Nixon Jackson from Utah Valley. She had a hat trick in that 10-0 victory. Freshman. Over Stephen F. Austin, and then also added a goal against UTRGV. Yeah, so her first career goal and her first career hat trick in the same game. Oh my That's goodness. actually really, really good for her. Just being a freshman, too, I would be so happy if I was um Jackson right there. That would probably be a memorable game for her. Very memorable for her. And then Gracie Knutson from Utah Tech is our Ticket Smarter Defensive Player of the Week. Utah Tech, no wins yet, but no losses either. No. They start off with three ties. Tying Grand Canyon and California Baptist. Yeah. That is really good for them and this they, week. They also picked up a tie against Southern Utah the week before. They will be at SFA and at UTRGV this upcoming week. And then Seattle U picking up our goalkeeper of the week, Cassidy Kurgan, as she had an outstanding weekend of action for the Red Hawks. And uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, just that uh, wasn't typical of Seattle U to be at the bottom of the standings as they were last week. They bounced back with two victories uh, this past week. So yes. they're they're back in, in the fold here. 
Yeah, shout out to like fifth or sixth, I believe, right now in the conference standing. So that's good for them. Two shutout wins, much needed over UTRGV and SFA. So, yeah, good for CLU right now. Some big matchups coming up this week. California Baptist at Grand Canyon. As we mentioned, Ooh. Chris Sissel coming on the show. But uh, those are two teams right now, two and three in the conference. Utah Valley, the leader, they will be in the uh, DFW Metroplex. I don't know, is Stephenville considered part of the Metroplex? Just outside of it, I guess. Don't ask me. I am bad at GRV. How, <laughs> how far is Stephenville from here? Oh, about an hour, hour, oh. hour 15, hour and a half. Why yeah. did I think it was much farther? Abilene is how much? Uh, Abilene's more like two and a half, three. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Well, depending oh. on where you're driving from, what the traffic looks like. True. Too. Oh, yeah. So I, they they were playing those two teams this week, uh, Tarleton State and Abilene Christian. So oh, that should be a good game. They, they're a lot of fun to watch. I mm -hmm. mean, you, you just turn them on. I mean, they they can uh, turn. If you saw our whack top plays this week, uh, they had uh, Sydney Bushman, I think it was, or is it Hannah Bushman? They're, no, they're, they're a great defensive player. Kicks one from midfield, and then they score right at the buzzer of halftime. I've never seen that before watching a soccer match. Soccer match. Where where they scored right when the buzzer sounded. You see, like, somebody hit a shot. Mm -hmm. but Buzzer score, beater in soccer. Yeah, to score a goal, <laughs> not very often that you see that, and they, they did have that happen. So Utah Tech, yeah, definitely uh, Utah Valley, I should say, definitely a team to watch. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little volleyball here on the WAC Podcast. Volleyball is now what, in uh, week three of conference play, and after week two, we still had Stephen F. Austin, Grand Canyon, undefeated. And guess what, Jess? Those two teams are going to play this Saturday. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it always seem like at the start, you know, you're just breaking up these ties, it seems like, and really good games. So that one... That one's about to be. Ooh. Yeah, you want to circle that one. That one might be and, a no and not an easy road trip for Stephen F. Austin as they play CBU on Thursday and then play at GCU on Saturday. And CBU, one of the top teams in the league this year as well. Yes. They've been winning both of them. Well, CBU right now, three and one in conference play. So they've only lost one match. And that was just recently this past weekend. So CBU, they had a, oh my gosh, a seven game winning streak. CBU did. Yeah. yeah. And they just snapped. Oh. I think that seven was like the longest in their program history because six tied it. Okay. And then seven, yeah. And they went to five sets uh, with Abilene Christian. That game was played in Riverside. So ACU uh, also off to a good start. They're two and two. Tarleton at two and two. UTA at two and two. So like you said, early in the year, still kind of shaking th some things out there. Do have eight teams that qualify for the WAC Volleyball Tournament once we get to Orem, Utah. But the Grand Canyon winning seven in a row at this point and they had our whack top play of the week one of the best plays i've seen uh maybe ever there's a lot coming for you uh, ashley lifgren uh saves the ball goes over the table over you, the table go, you know, out of the shot out of the shot <laughs> and the ball and then claire mitchell makes an amazing play to get the mm -hmm. ball over the net and then tarleton they they regather themselves they they get the ball back over in the meantime Lifgren gets back on the court. She does a block. Does a block. And it was a great rally. And yes. then she wound up getting the kill as well. And I know she was tired after that. That, that was that was one of the best efforts. But if you looked at it, some great plays on the Tarleton side of the Definitely. net and some great plays besides Ashley Lifgren on the GCU side of the net mm -hmm. as well. Some amazing saves, amazing dives, one-handed dives. That Claire Mitchell, the one-handed dive after <laughs> the amazing save, got it over. Almost a pancake. Wasn't a pancake. Is one like. 
you die. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. That was pretty. I, I don't think you could have pancaked that over the net, though. Oh, no. No. I mean, it probably has happened before. Not in my time. Well, I mean, not that particular shot. No, 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 no. Yeah. But that was that was really special. And yeah, so that'll that bodes well as, uh, as we head into uh, October here for women's volleyball. When we come back, we're going to talk some men's soccer. We're going to go three wide here in the studio with Tony Jones. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Jess Radford, now joined by Tony Jones, the czar of WAC men's soccer, if you will. Tony, welcome back to the show. We're, uh, we have a couple weeks in now with, with men's soccer. I guess uh, just one weekend, right, with, uh, with conference play. Uh, as we were recording last week, uh, I guess right after we recorded, came out Seattle U ranked number 23 in the country, and then they go out and they win two more matches. So Nate Dalicon, who, who was our guest, uh, doing a great job. First year, I was just telling Jess uh, off air here, that he took over for Pete Fewing, who was a legendary coach at Seattle U. He won a national championship there, I believe a D2, NAI, uh, numerous uh, appearances in the NCAA tournament. But a first-year head coach ha- having this kind of success doesn't seem like Seattle U's dropped off at all. It helps to have somebody who was in the system, and I think that was part of, you know, keeping keeping Coach Nate in the fold and. You know, not not to say that change is necessarily a bad thing, but when you're a program like Seattle U, who's battle-tested, as you said, at every level, has been successful throughout their tenure in the WAC. And I know we touched on it earlier this year that due to injuries, how things went last year was probably not necessarily what they were thinking or what they were hoping for with an early exit out of the tournament. But you were still there with, with all the adversity you battled. And to get a player back like James Morris this year, who's been great for them, was the guy they really missed last year, along with Declan McGitlin and some of these other guys that had been their stalwarts. You still made the postseason without them. And again, you know, you, you didn't quite maybe get to your ultimate goal, but to get where you got without those key players, to get one of those guys back in the fold this year, and Morris has been huge for the Red Hawks. And six points out of the first week, yeah, and they're, they're right where bad. they've been all year at the top of the standings. Uh, Tony, they're also doing it defensively. We see Habib Fumudatimi is our ticket smarter defensive player of the week. Offense and defense, we, we saw them shut out Air Force. This has been a topic on the show all year long. The Falcons still looking for that first win well into the season here, but gosh darn it, I look at that schedule and I, I, I'm not not ready to give up on them. <laughs> Again, a team like that, there's still a lot of veterans on that team. And, you know, you lost a key piece from last year to the professional ranks. And I think that's showing a little bit. I, I think it's it's hard to overstate, you know, there's 11 men on the field. But some of these key players, I know that pretty much everyone that we, I remember speaking with last year at the tournament, at least, would kind of be watching their matches and could pick out a certain player on the field and say, that's the best guy on the field. And in air force's case, that happens to be the player who's no longer right. <laughs> on their roster. And, you know, to be able to, to have a player like that, to, to lead you to success over those years, it, no different really from Seattle, U, to be kind of a veteran team and, and to have that leadership. And now you're looking to replace it. If you're coach Hill, it seems like it's maybe been a little bit tougher on the air force end. And it's like you say, you continue to look at the roster and, it's really hard to believe, but you also look at how they scheduled non-conference and it was a challenging schedule, yes. which would get you into a great RPI position. If you, you're able to 
to kind of go up against it. And as I feel like we've hit on more than once here on the show this year, just has not worked out for the Falcons yet. And, you know, through the first two matches, the conference play similar kind of results. So not really where you want to be. I feel like I've said that more than once for them as well. It's not where you want to be, but it's, again, that's a team that you can't count out under any circumstances. And this early into the conference season, anything really can still happen. Yeah. Thaddeus doing was our preseason offensive player of the year. And I don't know, good news, bad news. They they play UNLV this Sunday. They're going to be playing at the United States Air Force Academy. UNLV, also a team looking to get off the schneid, as they say. Yeah, I was going to say, though, a big win here within the, the end of non-conference play going to Tulsa, um, a team that's been a, a flagship team in the American Conference for a number of years. They hadn't lost a regular season home match since October of 2019. Um, they did host an NCAA tournament match a couple years ago yeah. and unfortunately had a, a bad bounce in overtime to lose the game there in a game that they thoroughly outplayed the opposition. So you know, you're talking almost 30 straight matches at home. And UNLV, who, you know, kind of their struggles have been well documented here these past two years to go there and get a win in a match that was shortened by inclement weather. But it doesn't matter. Tulsa does not lose at home in the regular season. Uh, I actually joked the last time they lost in that 2019, they lost to a team that no longer exists. The University of Cincinnati, who've discontinued their program since 2019. So that's how long it had been since Tulsa had lost at home. And it's just, you know, for... For Coach Craig and for UNLV, I think that's, you know, again, you want to start getting the results now that you're in conference play, try to play into that tournament on your home field. But that's when you look at when you've had a handful of wins over the past two seasons, that's one to hang your hat on. And that's a statement win for this program. Maybe not for where they've been historically, but from where they're at now with what he's trying to build. I think that's really something that can give them momentum through the rest of the season. And certainly you hope to to see it kind of play out in the, the point structure here on the, the conference side, but that was a win that for the ranked, you know, opposition that have been beaten by whack teams this year for some of the other results that have been had both on the road and at home against ranked teams that might go down as, as one of the more impressive wins of the year, just knowing where UNLV's kind of been here in this past 18 or so months, you know, going back to last season to be able to pick up a win like that on the road to close out non-conference play was extremely impressive. And like you say, hopefully sets them up for some success here looking ahead. And it also bodes well for the rest of the league, having, you know, quote unquote, one of your lower teams beat a top team like that for the RPI of the league certainly uh, is, is good for the Western athletic conference. Big matchup this past week was in Riverside, California, where, uh, we had uh, athletic directors and uh, presidents meeting uh, for the conference, and any of them that t- had a chance to go out to the soccer pitch saw CBU put on a very good performance, winning 3-0 to zero over Grand Canyon, and Leo Mendez winds up as our Ticket Smarter Offensive Player of the Week. That was a team we've kind of been talking about all along in California Baptist of kind of a slow start not maybe really where they want to be in the early going, but again, they, they scheduled difficult coming out of a championship season. Of course, you usually do your non-conference schedule a bit more in advance than just that from <laughs> championship to the, the start of the next year. But you could tell that they were sort of punching up in weight early on in the year. Didn't have maybe some of their key veterans in goal, certainly uh, at other positions on the field. They've had, you know, the, the striking talent of, of some of those veterans going all year, but, Sometimes the goals just were not falling. And now to what feels like, at least from the outside looking in, to be 
back as close to full strength as they can be with Nolan Premack and some of the other key players. You know, he he played great in goal to get that shutout against Grand Canyon. But Mendez is a player who just makes an impact for them. We saw it last year in the tournament. He was a key key part of them, you know, uh, moving on through our tournament and going to the NCAA's. And you know, you see it again. Had a goal in the match leading into Grand Canyon, and then came out firing with two goals and an assist to. You know, he had a hand in all three goals, beating a team that had been floating around the top 25 of the initial NCAA RPI in Grand Canyon. So I don't think it's too early to panic for Grand Canyon. I don't think it's too early necessarily to celebrate for CBU being this early in. But that was certainly a, a statement win. And, you know, Grand Canyon coming off of really a tough stretch where they were playing a handful of ranked teams on their way through the end of non-conference. We talked about they traveled all over the country to get good games in all year. Five, four, and one right now with the schedule they've played, as as we've kind of been saying, is exactly where they want to be. They keep that momentum up and, and can kind of to keep in the mix there in the RPI. We're looking at potential for multiple bids in the conference, which at the end of the day, from our standpoint in our seat, we're, we're fans of the conference. We we don't necessarily root for any any one or two teams or three teams, anything like that. Well, just does, but just, just yeah, just not. <laughs> <laughs> But but really, from you know, people always ask, "Oh, do you all have favorite teams? You know, how does that go?" It, it's easy to always respond. They're all of our favorite teams when right. they're part of the league. But that said, when there's a chance to have two, potentially three, given the sport in this in that spot in the RPI in the net for basketball, that's where you you kind of from from our standpoint, you you I wouldn't say it's necessarily a rooting interest, but you definitely take more of a direct interest in those results as the season's kind of ending who their matchups are against maybe, as you said, some teams who are struggling a little bit, even within the league. And you, you kind of see if they, they come out on the other side of it and can keep that momentum going. Utah Tech Stockton Short is our goalkeeper of the week. Utah Tech, you want to talk about a team under the radar. Here's a team, they they knock off UTRGV. That's a very tough road trip. Yep. Going from St. George down to Edinburgh. They won at UC San Diego. Now they did uh, trip up against number 21, San Diego State. No, no, no. Uh, you know, that's not a bad, I mean, they lost 3-0, but uh, that's a very tough opponent. Sure. And they beat Gonzaga. So this is a team, seems to be playing some very good soccer, maybe at just the right time, and they're going to be entertaining Utah Valley this week. That's going to be a big one anytime they get together and chess. I feel like that's a that's a big matchup to watch out there when you take any really of the three Utah schools and when you hear them talk about one another there's no love lost between really any of them I know it's probably more southern Utah and Utah Tech where it's a little bit more kind of headbutting yeah. but at least from the soccer standpoint you know that that matchup with Utah Valley I guess kind of maybe takes the place of, of that in lieu of having their <laughs> traditional rival on the men's side in soccer at least but yeah Utah Tech's a team that I, I you know based on how the preseason polling and everything went I, I think the the sentiment sort of was nobody was really sure what to expect out of that team. Uh, seemingly young team, not not as you said, not a whole lot. Uh, tough schedule that, that yeah. was on the books. A lot, lot of road games. A lot of road games. They they really challenge themselves, which is impressive to see where they're at coming out of it. Because, as you said, that win with RGV was not the first time all year where they've really stepped up and, and made kind of a statement, getting a result and to, as you, as you said, lead off into conference play in such a fashion as has to bode well, but you know, short, that's the second time this season he's been recognized as keeper of the week and picking up that first, so actually second solo shutout for him this year. 
he's just playing great soccer for them and he's keeping them in matches. And, you know, again, mentioned Nolan Premack earlier, not to take anything away from his performance with Grand Canyon, but being a three nothing match as a keeper, sometimes I think that the pressure can get a bit off of you. They always say that the two nothing lead is the most dangerous lead in the sport. But once they got to three nothing on Grand Canyon, it didn't seem like he was tested a ton there in the second half. Whereas with, you know, Stockton short, he's having to make these big plays to keep that a zero zero game until Utah Tech could break through in the 72nd against UTRGV. So it's a team who's clicking at the right time. And again, I'm not sure that anybody totally knows what what we really have there in Utah Tech because they are sort of coming off the radar. But a win against Utah Valley would really go a long way to to cementing them in the top half. And we might see them in Las Vegas if they keep that momentum going. And what's impressive here, if uh, people are watching this, Tony doesn't even have a computer in front of him. <laughs> I know. I'm over here like he's spitting historical facts just off the dome. I'm like so surprised and I'm like so amazed right now. Like this is insane. I could oh, never. <laughs> um, also wanted to point out uh, that Kendra is in is going to be at Utah Tech this weekend and will be at the match on Sunday when San Jose State comes to town. So again, we don't know what the result's going to be against Utah Valley, but San Jose State 101-1, Utah Tech 1-0. Could be a really good matchup on Sunday afternoon in St. George. San Jose State's probably outside of, you know, again, Grand Canyon maybe had a bit of the, their, the sales deflate a little bit there with that CBU result, especially 3 nothing. But again, a tough road contest in the conference. It's hard to say one way or the other, but I would say maybe outside of Grand Canyon and Seattle U, the third hottest team throughout the year has been San Jose State. They've played those opponents. They they maybe don't have as many wins stacked up as they'd hope. But again, those draws don't hurt you necessarily. And in conference play, you're getting a point for those. So you're going to keep pace for three and four playing who they've played. That That's where you want to be. You, you're a, you're in the plus side in your last 10. That That's that's about all you can ask for this time of year. So Seattle, you certainly setting the pace, but to pick up four points in the first weekend is, is certainly nothing to be ashamed of if you're San Jose State. So, yeah, Utah Tech, you know, we we just talked about it. They've really they, they've they've got it lining up here for this the second week. And I think they're going to know where they are at, at that point once once they get through that match at the end of the weekend. But I think we're going to possibly as a conference have a better idea where things are, are sort of leaning after the first two full weeks. Cause again, it feels like it flies by before we know it, we'll be, we'll be talking seating time. And, right. you know, you're down to the, to the last matches and everybody jockeying for that position, trying to pick up a few more points to move their way up. But yeah, both teams really could, could make a statement and kind of interesting that they're, they will be going heads up with each other this early in the schedule. And I, I think whoever is able to, to take, take kind of control and take the result there. Unless of course it ends up being a draw, then they, they split that point and, and keep it rolling. So it's exciting times. It, it's nice to to have games kind of right out of the gate like that, that, that gets you going. And we're just talking about that. How, yeah. It seems like big matches are early this, right on this season. <laughs> right off the bat. Well, Hey, uh, Tony, I want to thank you for taking some time out. You too, Jess. I'm going to have to kick you both out because uh, coach uh, Chris it's Sissel, is coming up next, literally in seven minutes on my little thing there. there so. you go. And you guys got to get across town. So we're uh, we're gonna have Coach Chris Thistle from Grand Canyon coming up next on the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner now joined by Chris Thistle, the head women's soccer coach at Grand Canyon. Coach Thistle, welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Yes, thank you, Eric. I was wondering why it's taken you so long to invite me back. I guess I made you mad last time we last time we talked. 
Well, you know, Kendra was off today, so we were yeah. looking at a possible guests, and I said, we haven't had Coach Sissel. I'll tell you what, I'll do the Coach Sissel interview, Kendra. You you, you stay off that day, and uh, always always a fun conversation with you, Coach. And uh, first off, wanted wanted to start with you, with the hair. I mean, uh, that's usually topic number one when we have you on the show. You know, uh, when you're at Kansas City, I think you started the soccer rocker look. Correct. Now we got the clean cut guy who lives in Arizona look, and that's what you're sticking with, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not really clean cut. My, I don't think my wife would say I'm clean cut. I probably don't shave as often as she would like. Um, but the soccer rocker is just kind of, it's just too hot in Phoenix. It's just too hot in Phoenix to pull it off. So and I'm 51 years old now, and a lot of people, a lot of my friends and family have even told me I might I might start to be getting a little bit too old for the soccer rocker, but I, I don't think so. I mean, I I think if uh, once the weather cools down here in Phoenix after the season, I might start growing the soccer rocker again for next season. You never know. Well, Coach, uh, so far this year, we're early in the season, I guess, in terms of we had had a lot of conference matches, but the women's soccer tournament starts before the end of this month. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how fast this all goes by. You've had some big matches already. And it seems like Utah Valley has kind of made their, their imprint uh, a few times this year. They got you at, at GCU. Is that, is that one of those you're, you're hoping to see again, or how do you kind of approach that? Yeah. I mean, Utah Valley's doing great. I mean, Crystal May's done a phenomenal job there and uh, yeah, we're, we're just looking forward to another opportunity. That just wasn't our day. We had a bad day to have a bad day. If you know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're a very good team, but I don't think they're that much better than us. And so I think we're, uh, we're ready for that opportunity to try to continue to really push forward in these last five regular season matches and try to get the best seed we can possibly get at the tournament and then i know our team i know our soccer family would like another chance at the wolverines um they're very very good we have a lot of respect for them and their program and their coaching staff but i also think that our team and our girls would really like another opportunity uh to play them and, and try to make things right for what uh had happened here but I'm, I'm really excited about the WAC this year though eric i feel like the WAC women's soccer like everybody's good this year everybody's having good seasons there's a lot of really good teams out there and I feel like every year I mean I've been in the WAC for a long time I've been in the WAC for I think it's like 10 11 12 years now and I feel like every year we just continue to get better and better and stronger and stronger as a women's soccer conference and really proud to see what all the other teams have been doing and I think all of us have really you know really scheduled difficult I mean we we had one of the tougher schedules in the country I know Utah Valley scheduled some really good teams Stephen F Austin and go on and on and on uh, within the WAC. Seattle always plays a tough schedule as well. Um, you know, we've already played uh, four power fives this season and uh, and had had a lot of success, had done really well. And we're really uh, just a couple unfortunate things went our way. But we, we could have tied at Arkansas and we definitely could have won against Mississippi State. Um, we knocked off Oregon, which was awesome. And we tied at the University of Arizona. So we've had some uh, We've had some great results in our non-conference schedule so far. Yeah, Coach, have you seen we've been doing the, the whacked graphic when you beat a, a power five? You got that when you played Oregon. I thought we we're going to have a couple more, but like you said, a couple ties and a couple of really good efforts. Uh, as you mentioned, Arkansas, one of the top teams in the country. But, uh, you know, we're trying to highlight that now with the whacked. It kind of like drops and then it says whacked. Yeah, I, like that. That. I like that. I like 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. I wish we would have been able to pull off a couple more for, for you guys. So you could have done that a little bit more often, but uh, uh, we've, you know, we've been very, very close this year. Right? I still don't think we've played our best soccer yet this year, which I think is exciting for us knowing that uh, we can be even a little bit better, a little bit more clinical in front of goal. And uh, we feel like our best soccer is in front of us. So we, we look forward to these next couple matches coming up. We've got three in a row now at home, uh, which is super exciting to be able to play at GCU in front of our fans and our awesome stadium. And then we finish with two on the road in Texas uh, before hopefully heading to California Baptist for the, uh, for the conference tournament. But um, yeah, we had a really good training session this morning. I know our coaching staff felt really good about how well the girls have, uh, have bounced back from a, from a tough um, road draw at Utah tech on Sunday. We tied one-to-one in the, in the game where we created a lot of scoring opportunities, but uh, unfortunately for us only finished on one of them. Coach, uh, Gianna Gorley has been a, an outstanding player for a few years now at TCU. And you mentioned you've been in the, the conference over a decade. You've coached some, some really good ones. I got to imagine she ranks right up there as, as one of the top players. You've had the opportunity to coach, especially in the WAC. Hundred percent, hundred percent, Eric. Yeah, she's fantastic, fantastic player, fantastic person, uh, great leader, great captain. Uh, this is her third season with us. Her first season, she scored ten goals. Second season had eighteen, and this year already has uh, thirteen goals and four assists. So, yeah, it's really fun to work with her, and and it's been really fun to watch her career and to work with her every day and to help her develop into a uh, a big time goal scorer. I mean, she was. She finished somewhere in the top five in the nation last year in goals, and we expect that she will do the same this year. And uh, we're just really proud of her and the entire soccer family. And she'd be the first to tell you, though, the reason she's scoring so many goals is the system that we play and the service that she is receiving from all of her great soccer family members is why she's able to, to pump in so many goals. Coach, uh, Daria Jackson has also been an outstanding uh, player for you guys as a goalkeeper this year, I believe her, her first year at GCU. Tell her, tell us about her road to uh, the Lopes. Yeah, she's, she's a phenomenal goalkeeper, just super athletic, um, you know, just a phenomenal shot stopper, uh, just really intimidating. I mean, she's like over six feet tall and, and she's got an unbelievable wingspan where she covers just so much of the goal, super athletic. I mean, I feel like she's one of those players, one of those people that would be phenomenal in whatever sport she tried. And she's played a lot of sports. She's even on our women's rugby national team is something a lot of people don't know about her, but she's actually on the, the women's rugby national team. She doesn't get to play with them very often while she's playing soccer and playing goalkeeper at GCU. But yeah, she's had a phenomenal first year with us. We get her for two years. Uh, she's a transfer in from Fullerton. Um, we have her this year and next year. And uh, yeah, she's just been a great addition to our soccer family, not only on the field, but she has a great personality off the field as well. Rugby, I, I had no idea, Coach. Is that uh, does that you know translate to soccer? I mean, I think it just translates to her overall athleticism, you know. And I think she she tried it. It was like some kind of like game show. She was on. I'll have to talk to her more about it. It's kind of crazy, but um, she kind of made the national team through some sort of like almost game show situation and. Uh, you know, she's uh, just a just a crazy good athlete and, like I said, has got a really big personality and has fit in really well in our culture and really well in our soccer family since, since day one. Since her arriving on campus uh, in, you know, in July, 
Um, she has emerged as as quite the leader and uh, quite the goofball off the field too, to be honest, which fits in in our culture well too. We in, we encourage the personalities. We like the big personalities. We like people to be able to express themselves and kind of be who they are. And uh, and she is definitely she fits the mold for goalkeepers. I always say most goalkeepers are pretty weird. And uh, yeah, she's pretty weird and got a big personality. And uh, since I have one arm, I don't do a whole lot of goalkeeper training. That That is all done by Coach Ben Parman, our assistant coach slash goalkeeper coach. And uh, Coach Parman's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job this year with DJ. Coach, I uh, also wanted to touch base <laughs> with you about who you got coming up this week. You got CBU. Uh, as you mentioned, Riverside is going to be the site of the women's soccer tournament this year. Um, this is a team that's been playing pretty well. They got a tie against Utah Valley. That's uh, the, the one team to time so far. What uh, what kind of matchup are you looking for uh, this week as you face the Lancers? Oh, it's going to be a huge matchup. It's a big rivalry. It's a big rivalry between GCU and CBU. Um, they've done a phenomenal job over there. Kristen's done a great job. Uh, her team is really good. They've only lost one match all year, Eric. I mean, they have five ties, but they've only lost one match. So they're playing really, really good soccer. So far in the conference, they have two wins and two ties, and we have two wins, one loss and one tie. So they're sitting at eight points. We're sitting at seven. So it's an absolutely huge match on Saturday night. Uh, they're our travel partner, so this is the the only game of the weekend. Uh, it's Saturday night at 7 o'clock at GCU in Phoenix. Uh, we're expecting a huge crowd. We're hoping to have a huge crowd there to support us, and I feel like you know whoever wins this match at at the end of the night is going to be, you know, sitting in, in a good spot, sitting in second place, just right behind Utah Valley. So I think this is going to be a, a huge match and I'm really excited for it because uh, CBU has been playing some great soccer. Um, they're really, really tough to score on. They're really good defensively. Um, and like, like you said, they, they, uh, they've only lost one match all year and they, they tied Utah Valley who's been proven recently to be, uh, in very good form since this conference started and has been scoring a lot of goals and they held Utah Valley to only one goal. So it's going to be a huge challenge for our soccer family, but I know that we will be ready and we will be ready for the task at hand. And uh, uh, it's only Tuesday, I think, but I can't wait for Saturday night at 7 p.m. for the match. <laughs> it is only Tuesday, but it'll be here before you know it, Coach. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the big matchup against CBU and, and hoping to get a good crowd. Is the weather finally starting to cooperate a little bit in Phoenix? I know here in Texas, it's been kind of a hot fall so far, but it's supposed to cool off a little bit, maybe uh, be a little more uh, soccer type weather for you. Oh yeah, no, it's cooled down quite a bit. I think it's like 98 today. So <laughs> we're not, in, we're not in triple digits anymore. Uh, anytime it gets uh, below a hundred, it's like cool here now. Um, but no, actually in the morning, we train in the mornings, Eric, we train in the mornings from like seven thirty to nine thirty, And it was probably, like just absolutely perfect weather this morning when we were training. I felt like it was in the high 60s, low 70s. Um, but yeah, I think actually this weekend though it's supposed to spike back up and be about 100 degrees. But it won't be it won't be bad at night under the lights and in our stadium. Uh, kind of blocks the sun. The sun will have gone down before kickoff. I mean, it it will feel perfect. It'll be a perfect uh, weather, perfect environment for a huge match on Saturday night. But uh, I've gotten used to now I've been here for four years. Uh, I never thought I would get to the point where I'm like, oh, it's only 90 degrees. It's not bad. <laughs> Coach, uh, last thing, uh, and you mentioned 
the winner of that match probably in the driver's seat for that number two spot, at least for now. Uh, a little change to the WAC women's soccer tournament this year. Uh, not in the sense that the top two, two seeds still get a bye, which uh, you can, uh, I guess, play that however you want it. We've seen teams go from the back of the pack and get hot. And then you're, you know, you're playing your first match and you're playing a hot team. Or, you know, we've also seen teams, hey, get the rest and then they're they're in the championship. But there's two days in between uh, matches this year, which is something new. Starting the tournament on a Sunday, two days off. Play on a Wednesday, two days off. Play on a Saturday for the championship. Does that change anything? I mean, uh, assuming, you know, I, I know you're hoping to get to the, the soccer tournament, but does that change strategy at all? Or uh, what, what's the idea behind uh, behind the more off time in between the matches? No, that's a great question. And I think it's it's amazing how much the WAC tournament has changed because for several, several years there when I was in Kansas City, gosh, we the tournament was always Thursday, Friday, Sunday. And that was, uh, we did that for several years. And that was extremely difficult for those teams to play Thursday night turn around and play someone with, within less than 24 hours, um, you know, for a semifinal. And then if you're fortunate enough to win both of those, then you've got a final, you know, 48 hours later. So I think what we're doing is right. I think the rest in between games is makes for a lot better soccer, um, but maybe not quite the advantage now for the one and two seeds that it has been in the past because everybody does have, um, you know, the proper rest and preparation before the matches. Um, but I still would rather have to win two games to get to the national tournament than three. Um, so we're going to be pressing and pushing like crazy to try to get that one or two seed and get that by. But at the same time, I feel like all the teams that qualify for the tournament uh, seated three through six have a much better opportunity than they had in the past when the tournament was Thursday, Friday, Sunday, or even most recently Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Um, now, like you said, to have an actual two days of rest, and recovery and preparation in between each match is probably just going to make every game at the tournament just a better overall soccer game and have all the players and athletes uh, uh, feeling better and, uh, and, and have that recovery. And then it gives the coaching staffs enough time to watch game film and prepare and, and really get their tactics right for these very, very important matches at the end of the season. Well, Coach Sissel, I want to thank you for taking some time out, as always. Uh, it's always a joy to talk to you and uh, we'll probably be seeing you here in a couple of weeks. All right. Hey, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate talking to you. Always enjoy the interview and uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out and yeah. Hope to see you soon in, uh, in Riverside in a couple of weeks here at the conference tournament. All right. That is Chris Sissel, Grand Canyon women's soccer coach joining us on the WAC podcast. GCU later.